This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. All right, Brian, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, So, I mean, we kind of know each other because you know my husband, and, um, and then also you work with Renaissance Ranch, and Preston and Tyson are a big... I don't think I actually would have had the guts to start this podcast if they didn't like pretty much make me do it. Like they were texting me at like 9 p.m. Like, okay, Ashley, do you have this set up? Like we're doing, like this is happening. And so anyway, they were a huge like kick in the butt to do this. And so super grateful for them. But anyways, yeah, like I would love to hear a little bit about you. And um, Well, I'm Brian. I'm, I'm a alcoholic i'm an addict in recovery um but also you know uh like i'm a dad you know and and uh, a husband and so we live in caseville um we have uh three kids my wife rebecca and i uh who are 10 8 and 4 porter logan and ryan two boys and a little girl um and I work, like you said, I work at uh, Renaissance Ranch. I've been there for, gosh, like the better part of twelve years. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. I, I, uh, yeah, and I've kind of worked every job you can have there. I mean, I started, <clears throat> I started as a like a line staff and and was cooking and running like a therapeutic community, and I've. I've got into admissions and, and, uh, operations and, um, and I'm the executive director, which means I just find people for those positions that are way better than me at them <laughs> and get to do their job. So, um, so I love that. I, I love what I do. It feels like a fake job. Um, because I just can't believe that I get paid to do it. Um, and uh we have a busy home it's like right now it's like the witching hour so i'm huddled in in uh the guest room i'm trying to be quiet um but yeah our house is busy we're playing soccer and and just got home from a flag football game and um you know ballet and soccer for her and um, my wife's a like a really hard worker she owns um she has owned her own uh, flower business so she does weddings um she's kind of getting out of that but um but yeah we just she just did a, a huge wedding thursday friday saturday and so um our house is always like crazy and noisy and fun but love it uh, well why don't we just go ahead and jump right into your story and i'd love to hear you know how it started and how it's going and all that. Well, I, uh, I, I grew up, um, mostly in Sandy and Farmington. So I have, uh, four siblings definitely grew up in an LDS household, um, which wasn't a negative for me. I mean, I remember growing up in the church and, um, I have three brothers and a little sister and we were just always playing sports and, and doing the scouts thing and, and going to deer camp. And then beyond my family, um, my parents had, um, siblings, aunts and uncles that were close, close, close enough. 
um, who were always huge influences on me as well. Um, and so, you know, grew up with a lot of, a lot of mentors and people giving me good advice constantly (laughs) and, uh, teaching me the ways. And, and I didn't have a problem going to church. I mean, I, growing up, I, um, you know, sometimes it was mundane and boring, but even as a, a teenager, like I benefited from it. Um, there's a, there's a time, um, when we, we went on pioneer trek and I think I was 14 or 15, um, back when they used to make you like kill a chicken and cook it. Um, Whoa, I thought mine was rough, but dang. (laughs) Yeah, it was no joke, but we got the job done somehow. Um, but we did a solo. Um, it's, it's kind of the first memory that I have, um, just kind of as an adolescent, that had some like real substantial, um, you know, spirit attached to it. And, um, at least from what I can remember. And, and we did like an hour long solo where we just kind of prayed and, and, um, what I call meditated now, which I didn't know what that was back then, but, um, just kind of got quiet and did some writing and, um, just off on your own. And I, I remember feeling just, uh, an obvious peace in that moment. Um, and that's never left me. I mean, even, even when I got off track and, and things got super dark, like I, um, I could never ignore that moment. Um, I tried to talk myself out of it a lot, like, no, that didn't really happen. And it was just kind of what, you know, it wasn't like you remember it. And, um, but it was real. And that kind of, you know, stayed with me through, uh, through junior high and high school. I I started experimenting with substances, um, alcohol, marijuana. Um, I was kind of a poly substance user, so I would take anything. I mean, I would try anything. I was always pretty creative. So I'd like to get altered, um, aggressively, I guess you could say. I, I like to just go to a different planet and try to get there as quickly as possible. And, um, which brought in a lot of different drugs and a lot of, um, you know, interesting people. (laughs) And, um, and I did it with kind of did it with this group of friends and, and we were all kind of on this, on this plan to, um, you know, have a lot of fun and figure the world out and, come up with all the theories and ideas of what the world was. And, um, now part of my story, which I get into more, um, other times I'm not going to with you right now, but is, is I started to live this kind of double life. So I was going to church and like, you know, blessing sacrament, but then I would go out on the weekends and get totally wild and, um, and lie to people who didn't think that I did that. And, um, you know, lie to the people who knew that I did that, you know, about the church. And like, I was just kind of a chameleon. I was just kind of a a liar, you know, Jekyll and Hyde thing. I, I didn't, didn't know how to tell the truth. And, and I was somewhat good at, at manipulating and, and telling people what they wanted to hear. And, um, I think people generally, liked me so I could 
not that I intentionally did it, but I, like I could manipulate my way into a job or into a relationship or into, um, you know, getting out of trouble or, um, you know, turning a U into a N in high school to, to play baseball or, um, you know, change a grade from whatever it was to a, a grade that it needed to be, um, in order to play ball. Um, so I was just kind of living this bounce, bounce around life. Um, you know, the, I was the baseball player and the boyfriend, but then I was the partier and, and, uh, but then I was like preparing for the mission and, um, and kind of just like living five different lives all into one. Um, which looking back, like, is the tough way to form some kind of foundation or identity. It's like, <laughs> I didn't know who I was. I was just going to be who you wanted to be me to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so without a foundation, I, you know, I, 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 um, you know, I would like get my mission call and, and try to go on a mission and, and without any conviction behind it, like I came home in two days and then, you know, I, I would, um, like I, I got married in the temple to my first wife and, um, and I, even though I loved her and we had been together for a long time, like I just wasn't in any place to, to do anything like that. I mean, um, I had no business like shooting for the moon on that. It's like, I was a absolute disaster. Um, and and nobody really knew that except for the guys that I was, um, you know, using on a daily basis with. I mean, that was during like the Oxycontin explosion. And so um, it had kind of turned into a, a daily use of that. Um, and fast forward, you know, through that marriage into 2008 and it had turned into heroin and, and needles and Um, and, and by that time I was full blown into this, you know, justified anti-religion, um, anti-establishment, like the government's out to get me, the the church is out to get me, or they've done me wrong, even though that wasn't true. You know, um, I had burned every bridge I, I had ever built. Um, you know, even the, the guys that you use with. Um, start looking at you different, like, like, dude, you're kind of messed up. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I had nothing left. I mean, my first wife was gone. Um, I was, uh, uh, I was in my mom's basement at the time, and you know, no job, no money. Didn't have the energy to even like steal anything anymore, or, or try to come up with a plan to get to Salt Lake, or. Um, so where my life changed was this, I was about a day and a half into withdrawal and, um, and I, and I was super dark. So I, I was thinking about suicide every day, probably for, probably for a year, every day, just constantly. And, um, about a day and a half into to this withdrawal, I was just kind of in the basement. And um, I don't know why, because I, I thought God hated me. I thought I had sinned my way out of his club. You know, I thought I was done. Um, 
but I just said a little prayer, like, um, some, something just like, Hey, like, I know I've screwed up a lot. Um, but like, if you're there, I could use her right now. And, um, you know, nothing really happened, um, immediately. Um, but I just kind of stayed there and, and laid there and, um, and then I had like a few thoughts kind of come to me. And, and one of them was like, um, you know, you could ask, ask somebody for help. And I had like never considered that. I was just so prideful and, and so embarrassed, you know, that my life had gotten to that point that I was like, man, I, you know, even though everybody kind of knows, um, you still think that you like, you can turn it around and they'll never find out. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, the second thought is like a little darker, not from my higher power, but it's like, you should take your life. Um, like you're done. You've, you got nobody left. You have nothing left. Like you have failed everything that you have ever tried. Um, like I, and, and that thought came with a little more, um, that morning it came with some like adrenaline. Like I was actually, like I actually had energy to maybe do it. And that freaked me out. Um, a third passing thought was like, you can try to use again and all of this will go away. And for some reason that morning, I like just didn't want to, um, and and probably not a coincidence. Like I think God probably stepped in and like gave me some strength to just not really want to get loaded. And so I, uh, I heard somebody upstairs and I, I kind of crawled up the stairs and, and it was my older brother Landon. Um, and he was with my nephew and I tried to kind of pretend like I was okay for a minute, but I was literally like laying on the kitchen tile, um, trying to feed my nephew. And I, I couldn't feed him because my, uh, my hand was shaking so bad. Um, and so, you know, he saw that and, and I was like, he asked me if I needed some help and I just said, yeah. And, um, you know, three days later I was, I was at Renaissance ranch. That was, um, July 28th, 2008. And I, I, uh, so from that, from that point on, my life has been totally different. Um, it didn't all come back at once. Um, you know, I got to treatment and, and another thing I wanted to share with you tonight is um, I still carried that kind of animosity for the church. And um, like I had this resentment towards the church and it was just so ridiculous because like I was the biggest part in all of it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that until some some mentors like pointed that out to me in treatment. But um, we did this meditation um, my second day at the ranch and, um, a woman who I'll always love, her name's Chris Grove. She was a counselor there and has since retired. Um, but she would do these guided imagery meditations on the savior and man, I still get the chills like an emotion when I talk about it because like as much as I wanted to like be mad at that guy, and, and hold on to that resentment. Um, as soon as she started and I'm like my second day in the treatment, I I was like, I didn't know what I was doing or where I was really just like, man, I'm here another day. And she started that meditation and I just started sobbing. And for me to cry, like I cry like twice a year, 
Okay. <laughs> More now that I have kids, but it's, it's hard for me to like get to an emotional place. So, um, but when she started that and, and it was kind of this really like amazing imagery of the savior, you know, taking my wounded heart and replacing it with his heart. That's just full of like love and light. And, and, um, and I was sobbing and, um, and, and during that, I just had this overwhelming feeling and, and what I heard or what I heard with my heart, not any words in my head, but the message to me was like, um, like I'm still here and I've always been here. Um, and if you meet me halfway in this thing, like, like, like I got you, you know, um, it's the best way I can describe just kind of the, the feeling that it was, it was just kind of like, uh, I've never left, you know, I've always been here. And, um, so that happened and, and it, um, it didn't, again, it didn't, uh, like we went to church in treatment, like back then we had to go and I'm grateful we did. Cause I, it kind of got used to like going again and being in the chapel and, um, you know, once you've been away from it for a while, it kind of, um, takes a minute to get used to again. It's just, it's just different. And, and I carried in all of this kind of intellectual, um, church history stuff that was in my brain. Um, things that I had read, things that I had seen, things that I had studied, um, that are pretty compelling. I mean, I think that's why, people have, um, um, questions and leave and, um, cause some of it's hard to kind of make sense of. Um, but you know, I've, I've just always, so all I ever wanted when I was using was to like be okay again and to feel peace. Like that is, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to like feel peace and, things like that, that feeling I had, um, on Trek as a teenager. Um, and I had the same, even though I was in the MTC for like two days, um, I felt it there too. Um, and I felt it in the temple and I felt it, uh, in that meditation. And I felt it the morning I asked for help. And I felt it, um, when I started going back there to church, um, and it's the only place that I have had that specific feeling of peace and, and calm. Like I'm, if, when I'm here, like I'm safe. Um, and that's a big deal to me. I mean, I, for me to feel safe, cause I just was not safe. I, I didn't feel safe. Um, like I felt scared. I mean, I, I felt like ending my life a lot. And so to have those thoughts gone and, and to feel safe and just kind of this calm, this like sweet, calm feeling, this warm kind of just peace. Like I, um, like it's different than goosebumps. It's different that it's different than, um, I mean, that's part of it, but like I get goosebumps when somebody hits a walk off home run, you know? So like, <laughs> I think that's, a moment too, but, uh, or if I hit like a good golf shot, like, um, there's, there's something there, but it's like, there's, there's only one thing that when I associate with it and, 
and I invest in it, um, it gives me kind of this calm, like stable, like feeling of safety. And that's, that's with the gospel. And, um, and even when like, I, I would question the book of Mormon and I had read so much that it was like made up and not a real thing. And, um, but then, but then when I would read it, um, just in my heart, it was like, there's something to this book. It's real. Um, and you got to trust your heart over your head. Um, because my head's always been out to get me. Um, like it just has. And, and, but my heart's never betrayed me. And so, um, and that's how I kind of still live today is like, just stay consistent. And, and, um, you know, I was disfellowshipped and, and that was even like a positive thing. Uh, after treatment, I, I just went in and kind of did a step four and five and wanted to be totally honest and um, just get right with God. And um, like that was powerful. I, I didn't feel like that was a negative thing or didn't feel any shame. So a when lot it, of people I, that listen are probably not familiar with the 12 steps. So can you explain to us a little bit about what step four and five is? Yeah, the 12 steps. I mean, the church um, kind of borrowed them and asked permission to, to use them from Alcoholics Anonymous. So like Bill and Bob, um, a Wall Street broker and a doctor. So this is like the Great Depression era. And these two guys and a friend, Ebby, and another, like they literally started Alcoholics Anonymous just from like speaking from the heart and being honest about alcoholism. And, um, and now it's like, everywhere in the world and and they came up with the 12 steps and um which at the ranch we would we we would say like it's it's the atonement it's the the practical just blueprint of the atonement um so step four is like writing an inventory of your life um you know your conduct your fears your resentments um and step five is sharing that with somebody um, so it's kind of a confession, but it's also kind of an introspective, um, deep dive into like, what's like, what's real, what's really going on with you. Um, so it can be powerful. And, and I just, I felt like, um, you know, I kind of did that with an AA sponsor. Um, I've done several since then, but, um, I wanted to do it with like a church council just to, for some reason, I just felt like that was necessary just to get right. Um, so I met my wife in 2010, Rebecca, um, not a member of the church back then. Um, just this like beautiful, energetic, powerful. She's amazing. Um, like, she, yeah, she's amazing. The moment I met her, at, we met at a concert at Pioneer Park, a reggae show and um, like there was just something about her that was like just captivating and, and, and I could tell like she was super strong and like, and, and maybe the, the thing I liked the most that I could see immediately was she is who she is. Like she is an individual, she has identity and, and like, she's super strong. And, and I, I was really drawn to that. Um, so she kind of, um, we started dating and got married a year after that and had Porter and, um, 
but not a member. And, and part of our relationship was like, like, that's not a big deal. Like you never have to be, Mm -hmm. um, my practice, my religious practice is like private and personal and, and she, and she was cool with that. And I was cool with, cool with her, um, like doing her thing and, and being on her journey with God. And, um, so I was kind of going, um, going back for a while, um, mostly on sometimes off, um, with the church, but, um, mostly on just kind of supporting my recovery with another avenue of spirituality. And, um, in fact, my, my sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, not a member of the church, like a really, like really cool long hair, like guru, spiritual guru, but he was actually the one that kind of nudged me back to, um, to be an active, you know, like he just yeah. felt like it would, like, I think that would benefit you to just kind of join that fellowship back and, um, kind of make amends and make right and, and just check it out and see what it's really about now that you're sober and kind of, you know, right with God. And, um, and he was right, you know, and, 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 and not only him, but I, I, in my life, I've had, you know, uncles and, and parents and, um, you know, heroes in recovery, like the guys that started the ranch and, and the people that, that run it now with me and, um, you know, all of my friends and, and, um, and people at, at other places in recovery, but they're all these friends and people that, um, you know, they're active in the gospel and they, I just like wanted what they had, you know, I just have always kind of watched them and it's like they have their, um, you know, recovery from substance abuse. And then they kind of added this, um, they added this like church fellowship and, and gospel to it. And that kind of put my recovery on steroids, I guess you could say. Um, it just kind of solidifies, um, what I got going on. Um, so I share, I, I introduced my wife because, um, a few years ago, the missionary showed up at our house and, and prior to that night, they, they had come to our house, uh, in Salt Lake and, and then now in Kaysville. And I had always kind of guarded them, guarded her from them and, and just said like, we're good here. We're okay. And, um, and this last time she walked up behind and like, you know her she just like moved me out of the way and was like like go somewhere else like I invited him to come like talk to me um which like I I I hadn't expected at all and and I was just just like wow that's that's interesting we'll see how this goes and um and she was kind of going through a personal journey spirituality with God in at the time and you know, ended up getting baptized and, um, I was able to, to do that with her, um, to baptize her. And, um, it's just amazing. I, I think the, um, what a converted heart or, or a conversion can happen so powerfully and so rapidly, um, a change of heart and, and, 
like the spirit is the spirit and you can't argue with it. You can't, um, debate it. It just is what it is. Um, and it's that, that kind of quiet, calm, um, that peace. Um, and she said something about the book of Mormon. That's the coolest thing that I've ever heard about the book of Mormon. And, um, and we were just chatting and I said, well, what do you, what do you think about the book of Mormon? And she says like, I'm not sure it's kind of confusing, um, not her exact words, but her exact words were, um, there's just something about it that's familiar to me, you know, and I or heard anybody use that word. Um, that just gave me the chills all over. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, that's the coolest way that I've ever heard anybody describe the Book of Mormon, that it was familiar to them. Um, cause it was like, wow, you know, cause I can relate to that. It, 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 there is for whatever said about it and how it came about and what it, what it is. And, and it's like, I, I think you can get lost in the clouds with a lot of that, um, conversation and debate. And it's usually, usually comes along with some like energy and, and animosity and, um, I'm kind of a simple hippie, even though I don't use anymore. So it's like, I'm just going to sit down and read it and see how I feel. And, um, and when I do that, my life just seems to go better. It seems to be, uh, have more clarity in it. And I feel more strength and I feel, um, like I have a purpose, more purpose. Um, you know, and I learn from what's in it, you know, it's not just all feelings, but it's like, for me, it's a big deal just again, just to feel like, like when I read this book, I feel safe. Uh, and I feel like I can stay sober today. And I feel like, um, I can help others a little bit better. I feel like I'm more patient with my family. I feel like I can show up for people, um, a little bit more genuinely. Um, and I'll take that all day. I mean, I, <laughs> It's like the pros that come from, you know, for me, like living, living the gospel and, and being active in, in the church um, and kind of making peace with, with my resentments and, and all that intellectual kind of war that's in my head. Um, like it's gone. I mean, I, I, I watch other people do it and struggle with it. I mean, it's pretty ripe in the recovery community. I think most people trying to get sober have like um, issues with God or, or opinions about, um, you know, religion or God and not just the LDS church, but you know, any church um, or any concept of God. And so I'm around it constantly. And, um, and it just kind of reminds me like, like what my life is without it. Um, it's just kind of chaotic and scary and dark and I don't want to feel like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I love that so much. Yeah. That is so amazing. Um, wow. I am just so, I don't know, like this is seriously one of the most beautiful stories that I've heard on this podcast. So 
Thank you so much. Um, so I have a couple questions for you. Um, some of them are submitted by people that are listeners of the podcast. And um, I, one of the questions that I have is, do you have any kind of like daily routine or what's kind of your thing that keeps you grounded on a regular basis and just like keeps you close? Um, or maybe like an experience that you've had or just something that keeps you close to the savior. Um, yeah, good question. Um, so ever since treatment, you know, 14 years ago, um, like I developed these routines and they've kind of altered over time, but the, the ones that are always there and constant is to, um, plug in and connect in the morning. That's kind of at this point, a combination of like, um, definitely prayer <clears throat> and it's like prayer on my knees, not, uh, in the shower. Um, cause I used to do that and I think that's fine too. I still do that, but I definitely need to like bow, um, like to the ground on my knees and connect and plug in and pray. And then it's, it's also kind of a meditative, like, listen, um, I'll read something, whether it's scripture or a, a daily reflection, like a little, um, like recovery has all these little daily like books, you know that, but for those that don't know, just kind of a daily thought or, um, you know, practice or perspective that's positive and optimistic, like, Hey, um, you know, motivational stuff. Um, and then I always have like these staple books that uh, I use in the morning. So my routine is always in the morning, um, to kind of get the day started. Um, and sometimes I have like, like space at home to do that kind of during, uh, like during the workout, um, or, uh, um, sometimes I wait till I get to work because it's just, I can't find the, um, the space or time to do it at home. So I know it at the, at my work is like, you know, a treatment center. So yeah. <laughs> it, it provides a good setting to be quiet and kind of be prayerful and mindful and, and meditative. I, I've, I've always since, um, since that experience in treatment meditated. I mean, um, that for me, um, and it kind of comes from things like, uh, a mentor of mine would say, um, to like, listen more than I pray because <clears throat> God's tired of hearing what I have to say, um, which I don't believe anymore, but, um, point taken was like, I never really listened you know, as part of a, a practice of prayer, it was just like you say your prayers and then you go to bed or you say your prayers and, and you go about your business and it's, and it's like, you know, meditation added this component of like just being still and connecting to breath and body and, and like just kind of listening and not racing through life that, and that's a huge part of my routine. Um, and then I always have to reach out and help other people at some point during the day, talk to who I need to talk to, connect um, with my friends in recovery. Um, and I do that in a, a lot of different ways. It could be a 12-step meeting. It could be I have several, like, shared music thread, text threads with friends that love music. And so we're constantly, like, sharing music back and forth and staying connected. And 
Um, yeah, so it's like prayer, meditation, books, like anything that um, that takes practice and like time to actually sit down and not do anything, I think is super important, especially in today's world that's so fast. I lo- It sounds like you're very intentional with the way that you you spend your time during the day. And I, I really love that. Um, so another question for you, what advice would you have for somebody that might be struggling with, you know, some of the outside noise of, you know, church history stuff, or, um, you know, all the different things that are kind of can be distracting from, what really matters most? What what advice would you give to them? Uh, that's a good question too. Um, I'm trying to feel this one out so I don't just give you like a, a fake answer. <laughs> um, so I think everybody's journey is important, even the dark times. Um, so I, I kind of believe in... I kind of believe in and trust that God has timing for everything. Um, and there's this really cool meditation that um, kind of looks toward eternity as on like a timeline, which is a hard thing to grasp. But it's like if somebody's progression is, is on an eternal scale or plane, then it then their kind of struggle on earth doesn't seem so um, drastic or or panicked then I can just be friends with um, whoever's in that spot. I'm not above or below them for sure. Um, We're just on different journeys. And I think their journey is important. I know that there's nothing. um, I don't think there's anything I could say or do to like change their mind. Because I think that is a... um, I think that's an important journey, whether they make it back to the religion or not. Um, the best thing that I can do is always just try to be a, like a like somebody that's that's attractive spiritually, somebody that's kind of walking the walk. Um, I think the worst thing that I could do to 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 those people that are in that place is like promote or like try to debate or convince or give them like this nugget of like, well, you should try this. Or have you ever thought about this? Like I, that always feels shallow. That always feels like I'm doing more harm than good. Um, so I think it's just love and like, um, like I have so many friends and people like in my life that are in that spot and, like we're still super tight, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. we affect each other and, and they're on their journey and I'm on mine and we can still be friends. And um, I know that doesn't really answer your question, but it's kind of a, I don't think there's a, a quick fix, nor do I really believe that it needs a fix. I think I really believe in an eternal uh, timeline. And so um, whatever God has in store for them or that individual um, like it's, it's coming, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree with you so, so much. I, it's weird because 
I had this dream last night, which is so weird because it's like just coming to me like as we're talking about this. But in my dream, I had a like a family member that I really wanted to like share like my message and my podcast and like I really wanted them to to hear it and help them and I had this like impression that you know the struggle is where we learn that's like I need to like stop like hoping like you know trying to like change their path or influence because the struggle there's so much to learn in the struggle like that is that is the lesson and that can really teach us and um so what you said was so so amazing and yeah thank you so much for that no thank you thank you for sharing i i believe it it's like i um i think pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth i I think pain is necessary i think pain and struggle is a spiritual thing i think if you look at it as like when you're having a terrible day or week or month or year we're going through the hardest things in your life. Um, I think having a perspective or mindset of like, this this is a spiritual thing, actually. I'm being like cleansed by fire and like hurt and pain and emotion. Like it sucks and it's uncomfortable and it's super hard. Um, but maybe it's happening for a number of different reasons to for me to be able to speak a different language eventually you know, a a different kind of spiritual language. And um, like, you know, this and, and, you know, knowing you a little bit and Jesse and so many people like their most spiritual moments in life, like usually come right in the middle of like the worst time in their life. So I think the veil is super thin during that moment. Um, Even though the person usually thinks that like God's so far away, I think he's right there. I think in, in that moment of pain and um, suffering, I think, I think like there's angels and like, I think God's right there. Um, yeah. At least in my. Yeah, I agree. That So right on. Um, okay. So my last question, what are, how are you doing your meditation? Like this is mostly for me, but I'm sure listeners will be interested in this as well. What do you, how do you do your meditation? Do you use like an app? Do you, what does that look like? After hearing you say all of this, I'm like, okay, I need to meditate more. I need to start listening for God to speak to me because I, I do the, the same. I, I say my prayers, but I need to take more time to listen. So I'm just curious what, what tools you use for meditation. Uh, so I've definitely used uh, all the apps. Headspace is really good if you're just getting into it. Um, Calm is a really good one. Um, I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole with Headspace and the founder of Headspace was like this really interesting guy from the UK that um, joined a monastery and was like a monk. And then he, you know, escaped and climbed over the fence and escaped the monastery. And um, But um, so interesting guy, but um, really easy, like simple techniques from Headspace. Um, so there's kind of this this common, um, I want to say this because it comes up every time and, and like I want to like shut it down for people that, um, that, that have this kind of rebuttal with meditation. It's like anytime, they'll say anytime I try to meditate, 
uh, my mind just races and races and races and I can't like meditation doesn't work for me. And what I would say is like, that's a reason to meditate more, not to never meditate. Um, because the more that you do it, it's a practice and the, the goal is not to calm the mind or shut the mind off. It's just to let the mind do what it's doing and just observe it. Um, and not judging it and just, just letting it be. And the more that you do that, um, the less busy your mind is. I mean, if I, if I haven't meditated for a little while, I'll drop into practice and like my mind will be like super loud and all over the place. And it's a good little inventory. It's like, wow, I've kind of been, um, I've kind of been uh, complacent for a while. Um, but to answer your question, my, my go-to is, is in my office at work, actually, and I have this little uh, sand garden, which is super cool, and, um, you know, statues of Christ and, and other statues from different religions, and I'll burn some incense and um, just play some, like, spa radio or, or meditation music. There's so many YouTube channels, um, meditation channels. I mean, there's... Yeah, there's like amazing people out there that are gurus and can teach us so much with meditation and um, and yoga. Yoga is amazing. If I'm, I'm a, definitely like a novice and and um, like do it every once in a while, but um, there's just so many amazing people out there that can help and teach with meditation. But um, I would suggest like get a companion book or like a um like an app to kind of teach you principles like like in simple terms while you're starting so that you don't I'm not talking to you but just so everybody that wants to try doesn't get discouraged and quit because it's um because they don't feel like a burning bush like calm moment when they start meditating it's like it's going to feel like the opposite for a while. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that for sure. I feel like even if I go to the gym and it's not like really early in the morning and I'm, I go to F45, so I'm like, don't have my phone. I'm not like plugged in or anything. And when I'm at the gym even, and it's like too late, if I'm going to blow like 8.30 class or like 9 a.m. class, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I have this going on and oh my gosh, this person's calling me and okay, I like got to get out of here. I just am too distracted, too much going on. And, and anytime I've tried to meditate, it is very, very similar. My mind is racing. So just hearing how you have described meditation, I'm like, I need some of that in my life. I really do. So old religions, I think that that kind of practice meditation, um, look towards those as well. And then, you know, you, you love and respect yourself to give yourself a half an hour to not do anything. Because um, we all have a half an hour, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but I know you're super busy, so. <laughs> yeah, I am, I am a little too busy sometimes. But, um, well, awesome. Okay, do you have any final thoughts or any final anything before we wrap up? Um only to keep doing what you're doing. I think it's unbelievable. I think, um, you know, connecting more people to messages of hope and optimism and, and, uh, you know, conversion. And, um, I think is, uh, 
world needs it. They they need the message um, amidst the uh, chaos. So just keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. And we will be in touch soon.